Our passage this morning comes from the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 4 through 13. Romans, chapter 12, verses 4 through 13. You can turn there in your physical Bibles, O saints of God, or for the rest of us, you can turn on your phones. I'm sort of joking, Roshana, but only sort of joking. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 13. If you're able, would you stand, please, as we read these few verses together? The Apostle Paul writing to the churches in the city of Rome. For as in one body we have many members, and not all of the members have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the encourager in encouragement, the giver in sincerity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, persevere in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, pursue hospitality to strangers. This is the word of God. And you may be seated. From this passage, I'll preach this morning from the title, Connected by Communion. Connected by Communion. I already mentioned this to the children, but I wonder if any of you have noticed that it can be harder to make friends as you get older. The the friendships that used to be so easy to make and sustain get more difficult as you get busier. Relationships require at least two key ingredients, in my opinion, time and proximity. And both of those only get harder to prioritize as you get older, as you have more demands on your life. Now, if you have had this experience of growing older and having more trouble making friends, please know you are not alone. In fact, uh, the Surgeon General released a report about this in May, and they found that about half of U.S. adults report to experiencing measurable levels of loneliness. So, So it's a common experience for many of us. Now, I'm mentioning loneliness and the challenge to foster relationship because it is a common experience for many of us, and also because in this section of his letter to the churches in Rome, the Apostle Paul was thinking about what brings people together and what keeps people together. In these verses, Paul taught that Christians were interdependent because each one was a part of the body of Christ. The early Christians understood that it was belonging to the body of Christ, which formed and nourished their relationship with one another. This summer, we have been learning from the Apostles' Creed, the the earliest known statement of basic Christian beliefs dating to the second century. This morning, we have reached that part of the creed which states that we believe in the communion of saints. This phrase, the communion of saints... It refers to the relationships between those who confess Jesus and our relationship with Jesus. In Christ, the Christian is related to everyone who has ever trusted Jesus as their Lord. 
Now, as a multiracial church, as Pastor Michelle hinted in her announcements, nurturing meaningful friendships comes with some added challenges. Things like cultural difference or power differentials or our society's persistent racism. We could add plenty more to the list. In Christ, we are still related to each other. But those differences can start to feel pretty heavy. More than once over our 13 years as a church, I have wondered, is our center strong enough to hold? Yes, would at least be Paul's answer to that question. And this is how I want to summarize his teaching for us this morning. We are connected to one another By our communion with Christ. We are connected by our communion with Christ. Our relationships with each other can be messy. We sin against each other accidentally or deliberately. And confession, repentance, forgiveness has to just be the air that we breathe. And... As our common center, Jesus is enough to hold us together. Anybody testify to that this morning? Now, there are two relational dynamics at work here. Our communion with Christ and our connection with each other. These are not separate dynamics, and these verses show how these relationships are connected. We're going to spend just a few minutes looking at both of these. We are connected by our communion with Christ because our communion protects our connection. And we are connected by our communion with Christ because our connection with each other promotes our communion with Christ. Communion protects our connection and connection promotes our communion. Somebody be impressed by all my letter, words that start with the letter C. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Doesn't come naturally for me. Number one. I will. I will, Michael. Number one. We are connected by our communion with Christ. Why? Because communion protects our connection. When we say yes to Jesus, when when Jesus saves us, when we place our faith, however small, in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we are automatically saved into the family of God. We, We don't get to choose this. You can pick your friends, but not your... Am I the only one who knows that phrase? Your family. It's just what you're born into. You're stuck with your family. That's what it's like when we say yes to Jesus, which we all go like, yeah, 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 I know that. But pay attention to how strange that is, how it goes against all of your instincts to organize yourself and sort yourself based on, well, fill in the blank, who you vote for, where you live, what school you went to, how much school you've had, what your hobbies are, whether you're a Sox person or a Cubs person or whether you care about the bears or just think that people who keep caring about the bears need to get some help. I'm just saying, we all know how it's going to go. It's not complicated. 
But the church is different. I don't mean that the church is supposed to be different. I don't mean that the church should try harder to be different. I mean that inherent to our identity, the church is different. We don't get to choose. We, we don't get to sort and to organize ourselves. We just belong to each other because we've all said yes to Jesus. We're all hanging on to that same string together. Now, we don't do this all that well many times. The church is imperfect at best. We succumb to the societal sorting and division that everybody else does as well. And yet still, we are unique. I remember after the 2020 so-called racial reckonings, every other day some corporation was putting out a statement about how now from now on they were going to care about racial justice. And they were going to do these DEI programs. And you remember that moment? And how's it going? (laughs) You, You see, other organizations and communities, they get to choose. They get to opt in or opt out based on what's expedient for them or good for their bottom line. We don't get to choose. We just belong to each other because of our communion with Jesus. As a church, this church has always been our longing and our prayer that we would reflect the power of Jesus simply by who we are learning to be together. If you are a guest, if you're new to this church, you need to understand this church does a lot of things. This church will ask you to do a lot of things. We're going to ask you to be involved in ways that will be risky at times and uncomfortable at times because we understand that the pursuit of racial justice is a pursuit of material change in the world. But before we do anything, we are always going to prioritize who we are. That we are the reconciled and the reconciled people of God. That everything we do comes from that identity of living together as the people of God. Paul says that this is possible despite all of the headwinds that we face. It is possible because we are the body of Christ. This is the metaphor that Paul likes to return to time and time again. He says there is one body, that is Jesus, and that body is made up of a lot of different members. That's you. You, get to, I, you can decide if you're the pinky toe or the nostril hair or the spleen or whatever. That's a, but, but, but we're all just a part of the body. Because body parts don't get to choose to be a part of the body. They're just a part of the body. Our communion with Jesus protects our connection with one another. So many reasons why this is hard. So many reasons why this would seem to be impossible. Because racial trauma is real. And political partisanship is real. And personality differences, come on, Enneagram people, it are real. And we could go on and on and on. And people leave churches for these and a whole bunch of other reasons. So we understand how difficult it is. I, I can admit to you that I have tried to hold this thing together at many different points over the life of our church. It never goes well, just so you know. It ends up that I am not even close to capable to to doing that. And neither are you and neither are we. We do not have the strength, the capacity, the wisdom, the righteousness to hold together the people of God. Only Jesus, 
through the power of the abiding Holy Spirit in our midst is strong enough to hold us together. Only Jesus is a center strong enough to hold. Only Jesus is a foundation that will not crack or crumble. I wonder if a simple thing we might do is that every time we gather as a church for anything, Sunday morning worship, Wednesday night Bible study, going out to get lunch after the service, having people over to your house, serving together with new community outreach. If if before every time we gathered, we just took a second in our mind and said, the only reason we can do this, the only reason we are gathering The only reason we are still gathering, the only reason I am still showing up, the only reason why this thing hasn't imploded a long time ago is because Jesus is a strong enough center to hold us together. There's lots of different reasons why a person might say, I want to be about what new community is about. I I like that racial diversity. I like how the the worship team is a little different every Sunday. And and, and, and I and I and I like it when 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 people have different preaching styles and and, and I like how they do Bible study and and I like how there's new community outreach. Great. I'm glad you like those things. But none of them are strong enough to hold us together. Hear me clearly. None of them, none of them are a magnet powerful enough to hold you and I together. The only reality that is enough for us is Jesus. The only reality that will keep you and I from running away when we get wounded, because we're going to get wounded. When we get hurt, because we're going to get hurt. When we get bored with church, because we're going to get bored with church. The only thing that will keep us from running away is our communion shared with our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember why we gather. We are connected by our communion with Christ. Because our communion protects our connection. And then secondly, we are connected by our communion with Christ because our connection with each other promotes our communion with Jesus. Like I said, Paul uses the metaphor of the body lots of different times, but he uses it in different kinds of ways. And in this passage, he uses the metaphor to highlight difference, to highlight the importance of Every unique member of the body. Verse 6, we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Just because we are all saved into the same body doesn't mean that our differences are erased. You don't become less of who God created you to be when you say yes to the body of Christ. The culture and the traditions and the histories which formed you matter. And we need you to bring all of that into this community. Your your, your personality shouldn't change just because you're at a a, a particular kind of church. Like I've heard people say, new community, that's a really overly educated church. They're really heady and they like to read a lot of books. And they're always discussing things and then discussing their discussions about things. And, 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 you know, yes, guilty as charged at time. But not all of us. Some of you are like, I read one book a year, and it's the book that our church reads every summer, and that's it. I'm not trying to read other books. I'm getting my information other places. Some of you are like, I graduated high school. Thank you, Lottie. Anybody? Thank you, Lottie. And I'm not trying to go get more education anytime soon. 
We don't need you to become more bookish at New Community. We need you to be you. Amen? Exactly who you are. Exactly how you've been formed. Exactly how you see the world and move through the world. Those differences matter. But the difference that Paul is emphasizing here is, is a difference related to spiritual gifts. Paul is identifying that every one of us has been given different gifts of the Holy Spirit. A few things about spiritual gifts. First, they are unique. The Spirit also gives us fruit. We all get the same fruits. You can read about them in the book of Galatians. But our gifts are different. We don't get to choose them. They might be different at different seasons. They take different forms, different mixes, and different people. So so our spiritual gifts are unique, which is one of the reasons that we need everybody in the church. The second thing is that gifts are gifts. You don't earn them. You're not born into them. Like a spiritual gift is not a personality trait, and it's also not a skill that you develop. It's just a grace given to you. It's just a grace given to you. The fact that I can stand up here and preach is for me evidence of a spiritual gift because I blush bright red if three people sing happy birthday to me. Some of you are like, yes, I've seen it. It's great. I love it. We we try to do that as much as possible. Right? Like the fact that that I can be here and preach and not be self-conscious, not be like, is my fly down? Am I sweating? Am I like not think about any of that and just preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to you? That's a spiritual gift. You hear what I'm saying? So, So gifts are a grace given to us. We don't earn them. We're not born into them. And they are always for the common good. Right? You'll benefit from them. Right? Like as I'm preparing my sermon, I'm preaching the gospel to myself. And after I move through my insecurities, usually on Wednesday or Thursday, I'm like, this is the worst sermon ever. It's going to be terrible. Sometime on Friday or Saturday, I'm like, oh, but the gospel. And and it preaches to my heart. But see, it's not just for me. It's for the the good of, of the community. That's true of every single spiritual gift. They're unique. They're gifts of grace. And they're for the common good. Paul is emphasizing these differences. And he's saying that the one body is made up of differently gifted members. He names a few of the gifts here, but it's not a comprehensive list. And frankly, you're not going to find a comprehensive list of the spiritual gifts in scriptures. You'll find lots of gifts, lots of examples, but it's it's, it's not like one list of all of the spiritual gifts. So how do you learn what your spiritual gifts are? I'm going to give you this really complicated thing. You just try things out. (laughs) You can be a little bit more reflective than that, right? You can ask people who know you, what do you see in my life? What spiritual fruit? Yeah, yeah, do all that stuff. And then you just got to try some stuff. (laughs) And you got to try stuff that's a little uncomfortable for you, right? It's got to be stuff where it's not just like you be naturally good at it, like, or you have the education for it. It's got to be stuff you step into and you're like, I don't know. And then you step into it and then someone's like, oh, I was so blessed. Does that make sense to you, right? So that's my rocket science way to kind of start to figure out what your spiritual gifts are. And use the community. Use your friends around you to help you discern that kind of thing. But that's what Paul has in mind, is a body made up of differently gifted members. And so then in verse 9, after emphasizing the gifts, Paul shifts to exhortation, encouragement, hate evil, hold fast to the good, love one another, honor each other, be zealous, serve God, rejoice hopefully, be patient, endure in prayer, be generous, and show hospitality to strangers. It's not a random list. It's a vision. It's a vision of a community living its faith visibly, materially, not privatized, not spiritualized. Why? Because all of the members are living and serving and leading out of their spiritual gifts. And so the community can live this kind of way. And it's visible. 
and it's making a material difference in people's lives. People who don't have enough are being provided for. People who don't have, who have way too much are given an opportunity to give some of it away. People who are strangers are being welcomed in, and on and on the list goes. It's a beautiful vision of what a community centered on Jesus can look like. So Paul has in mind individuals using their spiritual gifts so that the community can live as this visible, beautiful, effective witness to our Lord Jesus Christ. And we are, when we are connected in that way, when the person sitting next to you this morning can say, yeah, I'm, I'm living out of my spiritual gifts. I'm living out of the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. When we are connected in that way, our communion with Jesus individually is promoted, is encouraged, is fed, is nourished, is invigorated. Why? Because the body of Christ is functioning as the body of Christ. You see, some of us are like, oh, you know, I don't really feel close to Jesus these days. And we picture Jesus being like a long ways away. And like, what do I need to feel closer to Jesus? Jesus is here. This is the body of Christ, right? And and so if you, do you want to feel close to Jesus? The question is, are you living out of the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to you so that the body of Christ, so that the presence of Jesus can live fully and effectively in its place in this moment of time? And when we together get to be a part of that, our own communion with Jesus can't help but be invigorated and encouraged and expanded. So so if you are uh, feeling spiritually stuck or stagnant, here's my three-step plan for your life. (laughs) Figure out what your spiritual gifts are. Some of you already know, like you already actually know. They've been affirmed and you're just kind of like, you're kind of sitting on them because frankly it feels too risky. Because you're like, that would actually require me to step into a place I'm very uncomfortable. Or that would require me to start living in a way that would radically rearrange how I've comfortably set up my life. Right? But others of us, we actually don't know. And so we got to just start trying some stuff. You got to serve with the setup team for a little bit. You got to go see what NCO is doing. You got to bring these questions to your Bible study small group in a month or so. And, and, and let people start praying in your life. So you got to clear on your spiritual gift. Step one. Step one. Spiritual gift. Second. Start using your gifts, watch this, with others, for others, to the glory of Jesus. You don't do it by yourself. We use our gifts with other people. Because we don't want you burning out. We don't want you getting isolated. We don't want you to like, feel like this is all on your shoulders. We serve with others, for others, for the common good, right? To the glory of Jesus. Figure out your spiritual gifts. Start using them. And then last one. I actually think this is the hardest one for our church. You stick around long enough to see the fruit. Because the fruit can be slow sometimes. I'm not a farmer, so I'm not going to push this metaphor too far. (laughs) Right? But like if you plant something in the ground and then a month later it grows and you're like, yeah, but there's no tomatoes on it. Yeah, right. It's going to be a few more months until the tomatoes are there. You plant a fruit tree... It might be years until the fruit tree starts to bear fruit. So you can know your gifts and use your gifts, but then you can get distracted and never actually see the spiritual fruit from your gifts. And then you're like, well, I'm never going to do that again. That didn't work. So we do prayer around the schools every Saturday morning from 9 to 10. We've been doing it, Esther, for like over 10 years. And when I say we do prayer around the schools, what I mean is like five or 10 people do prayer around the schools. And here's the thing. Those five to ten people, 
particularly those who are, are faithful. I don't mean like every month, but every other, you know, like come back after a season of busyness. Those women and men have had the chance to see spiritual fruit in our neighborhood. And I want to say this without making anybody feel guilty. That if you had not been there, you just didn't get to see. If, if, you, did, if you weren't a part of Pat's one hour a month, most Saturdays, you, I mean, I could stand up here and tell you about it, but you didn't get to be there when we were praying that God would move powerfully, mightily, in structural and systemic ways. And then when we got to be there to see that Jesus did it. So, so, so we, have to, we have to choose to stick around long enough to see the amazing thing that the Holy Spirit's going to do. Like, I want to be able to pray for everybody on a Sunday morning and you get healed and you get the resources you need. That's what I want. And sometimes Jesus does that. Amen. And sometimes five, ten years later, we're still persevering in prayer. And then, oh, my gosh, look what Jesus did. So know your gifts, use your gifts with others, for others, to the glory of God, and then stick around long enough to see the spiritual fruit. We are connected by our communion with Christ because our connection promotes our communion. In just a minute, Pastor Michelle is going to come up and kind of lead us into into communion, which is, I think, perfectly timed for this passage. Communion protects our connection, and connection promotes our communion. And when we observe the Lord's Supper on first Sundays of the month, we are saying that we are celebrating communion. Celebrating communion. This memorial feast is communion because it is through his death and resurrection that Jesus removes our sin and unites us in loving relationship with God. And we celebrate communion together as a body of differently gifted members because our communion with the crucified and resurrected Jesus is the way, is the only way that we are connected to each other. I promise you. The fact that you are in this room with this particular group of people today is a testimony to the power of Jesus with whom we all share communion. And who makes our relational loving connections possible. When we come to the table in a few minutes, I want to invite you to come um, as an acceptance of Christ's welcome into communion. And also of the, the, the deep connection you share with others who join you at the table. Even if you don't know their names. Even if you've never met them before. And maybe you have never accepted God's invitation to communion with him. It is is simply an act of acceptance on your part. It's all grace. Anybody know it's all grace? It's simply accepting, admitting that you are a sinner sitting among a room full of other sinners who need the grace of God and placing whatever amount of faith you have in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ who took your sin to the cross and put it to death before resurrecting in victory over it so that you would be united in communion with the God who made you. So if you, if you are placing your faith in Jesus for the first time today, that is amazing. Pastor Michelle and I want to meet you and pray with you after the service. But also, I would invite you coming to the table to be your first kind of public act of allegiance and identity with your Lord Jesus.
Pastor Michelle said this uh, earlier today, that it's in her prayer, that it's, it's easy to show up and, and kind of go through the motions um, to sort of assume, well, this is just what we do if we're a Christian or if I'm exploring, following Jesus. Um, if at all possible, treat the next few minutes as a profoundly strange act. Uh, treat, treat the coming to the table with the people next to you today as anything but a foregone conclusion. Why are you in this room? Why are you eating and drinking with this group of women and men? It's wild. You couldn't have planned it. None of us could have planned it. So come to the table allowing this meal to be a celebration, but a bit strange to you today as well, so that you can celebrate and rejoice in the meaning of our communion with our Lord and our deep connection with one another. Please join me in prayer. God, I thank you that you are the God that says, taste and see that I am good. I thank you that these spaces, that the ability to sit next to the folk we're sitting next to, to be in this space, to come to your table, all of these are invitations to taste and see your goodness. So Holy Spirit, in this space, open our eyes that we would do just that, that we would experience this moment as a gift from you that we would see clearly the ways you have blessed us with gifts and talents that are for the good of all of your people, that we would experience one another in this space as brother and sister connected to us by blood through Christ. Remind us of that. Help us to delight in that. In the name of Jesus, amen.